Film's anniversary, or was it you two just being best friends anniversary? It was the film's anniversary. Oh, why not both? Our anniversary is coming up, and we're going on a cruise together. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to renew our our friendship. (laughs) Friendship vows. All right. I promise to fight about movies until death do us part. I promise to call a gopher for his bad takes until death do us part. Amen. Is that even what you do? I don't even know. Amen. Oh, I don't know. All right. You found the Untitled Film Project podcast, and we're talking about Dune Part 2. We pick up where Denis Villeneuve left us in the much-respected original Dune universe with Paul Atreides and his mother embedded with the Fremen. On Arrakis, royal families are fighting over its power, while Paul and the Fremen are both trying to determine whether he is the promised one who will lead them to freedom. This world is beyond cruelty. You've been fighting the Harkonnens for decades. My family's been fighting them for centuries. They were massacred. Alongside my father. Your father didn't believe in revenge. We believe in Fremen. Let me fight beside you. And we also have the big question. What film did you see in large format? That's like IMAX, Dolby, Big D, any any of those that made the experience so incredible that seeing it in a regular theater or streaming at home just ruins the experience or just does not match up. It's what large format film did you see just just made that experience for you? Big D. That's what they call it. All right, let's get our initial takes on Dune Part Two. Uh, I'm going to just start because I'm going to. Uh, when I left the theater, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to retire the word epic. Okay. As an adjective, right? Like, you know, we're always <laughs> mm-hmm. like, oh, we go to a hockey game and you're like, oh, that ending was epic. Like, you know, it's just, oh, it's overused. That word originally, like when I was growing up, if you ever heard the word epic, it meant something larger than life. That sure. value. Bigger, bigger than you can possibly, I, bigger than I can explain to you. That's what the word meant. Like, you yeah. don't understand, no matter what I'm going to say, it was so well, X, right? Right. And you throw in the word epic. Mm-hmm. That's what you mean. Mm-hmm. That's what Dune 2 is. It is an epic. It is a cinematic epic. So I am officially retiring. Dune 2 made me officially retire using the word epic as an adjective. This makes me excited. It goes into the the Hall of Fame. It's not allowed to be used anymore. It's it's retired like an old beanie baby. (laughs) Not going to use it anymore. Dune Part 2 is science fiction masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, it's a science fiction masterpiece. He says epic, I say masterpiece. You're going to hear lots of these words, I have a feeling, just at least from us two. Don't know about Jimmy. We'll we'll get there. But so many pieces that you want out of what makes a science fiction movie incredible. Dune Part 2 has this. We had Dune Part 1, which I loved. I really enjoyed it. This puts Dune Part 1 to shame. Like how much (laughs) I love Dune Part 1. This one has everything from world building 
has incredible cast, the visuals, the sound, the music, all these things that you think back, what what makes a science fiction film incredible in, in your eyes? And you think about the, the good ones, right? You have Jurassic Park, you have Star Wars, you have all these different ones that you just think of. What do they all have in common? They have epic visuals, epic visuals, yep. amazing sound, amazing editing when it comes to sound, amazing music. The score, yeah. This has all the incredible cast. It has all this. We're we're going to dive so deep into this, but I left that theater just in awe of how wonderful this film was and craving more. And that's what good science fiction does too, right? When it leaves oh, you, yeah. you want more of that world. And that's why it's a masterpiece because Denis Villeneuve did an incredible job with this and built upon what he established with Dune Part 1. And I cannot wait to dive into deeper discussion. I thought, you know, in the original uh, Dune that they did back in the 80s, you know, it, it, it's it's a schlocky, goofy, <laughs> stupid, kind of love it in a kitschy way. Uh, and, I, and I thought that this movie is unfilmable. I really thought that. But then Denis Villeneuve made the Dune that we got a few years ago, and you, you're going, oh, my God. This is something incredible. And the words that I came out of Dune Part 2 were prestige sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're sci-fi that is terrible. I happen to love the genre of sci-fi. But I will say, there is plenty of crap out there that nobody <laughs> wants to see. And it's whatever somebody who makes fun of sci-fi that doesn't enjoy it at all thinks all sci-fi is. This was prestige sci-fi, and I was thinking of prestige television. It reminded me of HBO's like greatest achievements, right? So you you've got maybe something like The Sopranos, which is you know just the highest level of like organized crime movies, or you have you Game of Thrones, which not counting the last season, was... Uh, <laughs> I still thought it was okay. And I really liked it, too. I, I really didn't hate it like a lot of people loved, too. But I, I think that's exactly what Denis Villeneuve, the director of this film, has done and and created with this universe. Um, this is as good as it, as it gets. It is respectable. Uh, the Everything about it is is really good, and I think he's the best sci-fi director on the planet right now. Because this is a guy who brought us movies like Arrival. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of people were a fan of Blade Runner 2049. To me, I thought it was kind of amazing, but I understand why not everybody got it. But he's making quality stuff I mean, every there's not one part of the movie that you can say, well, that wasn't up to par. Just like you said, the score is great. The editing was great. The visuals are amazing. Uh, and the story is propelling us through this amazing, you know, story that, that is a book about big, you know, it's huge. War and peace. Right. <laughs> but uh, but I can, I walked out of the car, I cannot wait for the next one. <laughs> what do we always say in broadcasting, Jim? Always leave them wanting more. Absolutely. And they absolutely left me wanting more. Mm-hmm. Not just the way it ended. I'm, I'm saying like two hours in, I'm like, I want more of this. Keep it coming. And then it yes. ended, and I was shocked that it wasn't, oh, it didn't wrap up, because I thought it was two films, but I was I was re- rejoicing on the way home that there's another one coming. And we don't know when that's going to happen either. Right. Denis Villeneuve is, when it happens, it happens. He said, it, yeah. I don't want to rush it. And no rush in it. He's like, I think Hollywood 
believes in quantity over quality right now. That's not what I'm about. Oh, I'm which makes me want it more. I'm paraphrasing. But he's yeah. basically saying, I'll, I'll get it when I get to it. And so once you see it, you're going to see why we hold different standards for when it comes to CGI, when it comes to visual effects. Because this dove right into the world where I didn't know it was real and what was not. It was so seamless. Yes. The, the, the graphics and that, that the worms. Oh, so many scenes with the worms were just absolutely incredible. But and think how badly those could have looked. Oh, gosh. Oh, my in goodness. the wrong hands. They could have marveled. Oh, it. man. Uh, yeah. They could have marveled well, it up. That's I'm, I'm just saying like that's the that this is the level that we expect now because the technology is there when you give it time. When you put yes, effort and time into it, don't rush projects. That's accurate. Yes. It can be phenomenal. The, We've seen it now. It doesn't have to look like it's mid two thousands CGI. Yes. You can put the work in and make it look great. But what I want to pose first was there's see, we're seeing so many similarities, and people throwing out the question of that Dune, especially part two, is doing for science fiction what Lord of the Rings did for fantasy. I can agree with Ooh. that. I really do. I mean, that's where I think. I think maybe part of my initial take was circling around it, but you just hit it on the head, was it brings respectability to a franchise or a genre that doesn't usually get it, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, the, obviously, sci-fi will rarely win an Oscar outside of a technical achievement, yes, right? right? Yes, But it's films like this that all of a sudden raise it up to a level where somebody, I mean, it's still got an uphill battle with the Academy, right? Of course. But it's, it's there and they can't look away right. and not acknowledge. And the box office is going to speak very well, sure bring attention will. to it, especially with yes. the type of cast this has the ensemble cast. Oh, it's well. not like there's just one or two. You have multiple people that are going to be worthy of nominations of so many levels. And that's what I think is going to be amazing about it and bring attention is that this cast from Austin Butler, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, I mean, Javier, Javier Bardem. Bardem. Uh, yes. There's so many. I mean, I can't name them all. Because just, there's just so Momoa, <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård, uh, there's you know, Dave Bautista. It, I, they just keep coming, right? Yeah. You're like, how did they get this? Florence Pugh. Right. Well, Florence oh, gosh, Pugh. Right. Christopher it, Walken. It's an all-star game. I think Chris Pine was in it. He's not. No. <laughs> he might as well have been. Now, the standout is finally getting away from his Elvis voice. <laughs> is the absolute way that Austin Butler plays a psycho on screen. Which is great. Oh, credit to him. Yeah. Credit to him. And, and it took me a bit to realize that was Austin Butler. That's a good, and that's a great thing. And that's a great thing. Because <laughs> uh, no Elvis voice, yeah. not, not his hair. And it, what it came out too, that he did not shave his head. The, the makeup artist, three hours to get him into makeup to wow. put that on, on his head where it actually covers his eyebrows because he was getting ready to go film another project where the director's going, please don't shave your head. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because it'll take forever to grow back, right? And, and yeah. they found a way and it's it's seamless. Like oh. again, makeup design, that's another one that science fiction will win. Win yeah. quite often awards, but that's where they get recognized is in terms of design and, and sound, but not the big ones. That's another one, obviously, that I think this could be looked at is costume design. I have makeup. it. I have it on my spreadsheet. I try to make notes as we go along right. through the year. Okay, just so I can remember. Okay, who am I thinking for what category? Who's worthy? And this one is best makeup and best uh, costume design. And, and look at the, the scenes like yes. the gladiator scene where it's black and white. Yeah. Oh, with I love the it. House of Harkonnen. I mean, so rich. The way that the the choices that Denny Villeneuve 
took to make these scenes stand out even more is to have that gladiator battle scene in black and white. Again, just it sets so much of a tone to sure. just draw you in and focus on what is happening there and how dark and heavy it is. And then you add the psych the psychoticness of Austin Butler and his portrayal. It I just, was I was truly terrified yeah. of of what this man was capable of. And and you know, it, when he was coming on screen, you're like, Oh God, what is what is he gonna do? And I think that you know, the, the other characters around him are, you know, are are doing the same thing. Like <laughs> we don't know what to expect because he's so dangerous uh, that he pulled it off and it just came from the screen to reach me in the seat and said, you know, like, be terrified of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The thing in large format and what you feel, because we all saw it in IMAX, right? Yes. Yes. Is when you can feel a movie, like mm -hmm. feel it in your chest because not, it's not just the bass, it's the entire score. And not just the score, but the sound itself, right? Yes. Obviously, I'm the music guy here, right. and I love a, a great score. But this film is not just about that. It's about the sound effects. It's about during worm scenes or battle sequences when you can feel a movie. I felt this movie in my core, and that's a difference that it made with the large format, I think, compared to other theaters. You're, you're going to have a good experience, I think. Yeah. But the large format makes a difference because I felt this movie to where it was taking my breath away. And yes, I am into the film, right? I'm very much into it. I'm wanting more. But when I can feel the movie, that experience is heightened even more. And that is huge credit to sound editing, yep. to sound engineers, to sound design throughout Dune Part 2, is that I could feel it in my core. And thanks to our friend, AOK Wave, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, the person did the sound editing for this, also did the sound editing for Oppenheimer. Yep. Hmm. I think the person's pretty talented. <laughs> yes, yes. And and what they what they do is, is amazing uh, because... It, the, this is one of the few movies, except for maybe Oppenheimer, <laughs> where the score and the audio effects that what you're hearing uh, start to, to blend together. And, and the line is blurred mm -hmm. when you like you, you don't know if you're hearing an instrument or if you're hearing a, a sandworm or if you're hearing 10,000 troops stomp their foot. It's all one thing. Oh. It becomes a soup like you can't separate, you know, good stuff soup. out of the soup. <laughs> and, and for that, I loved it. That, that was because I felt the soundtrack more than I heard it. And that it's not just because it was loud, you know, and it makes right. And that's the thing. It's not just loud. And that's why you feel it. No, mm -hmm. you're feeling it because the way that's been edited flawlessly into the film that it breathes extra life into it as well. You take away the sound, the good sound editing from this. It actually takes away from the experience and lowers it from that masterpiece level. Yep. The sound makes it an epic, makes it a masterpiece, makes it all those words we're trying to describe. It's a hype. It, the sound plays a huge role in science fiction, especially science fiction and fantasy. Sound plays a huge, huge role into those because you're trying to immerse yourself in, into a world. Good directors yes. and sound designers do that because in science fiction and fantasy, you have to be fully immersed. This is an immersive experience, and, and that's why it's such a huge deal for me. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first movie when I saw the ornithopters, which are basically like helicopters, but they're more like they operate like wasps. Dragonflies. Dragonflies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that... You know, when those wings are flapping, you feel it. 
you feel it as if something with very large wings is actually in your presence. And, you know, that just continues in this movie. And it just did, they did it with more things that, uh, yeah, I, I just, to me, if even if, if you didn't see the screen, go, go and experience <laughs> this movie in IMAX because it's worth the sound. All right, now is the time on the Untitled Film Project podcast where we shock you with terribly low scores for Dune Part 2. Go over. We were holding hey, back. Just oh, wait, okay? Well, we really hated, you know, I don't know. Uh, let's, uh, let's dive in and, and give some numbers to this because I think it's, it's a matter of how high on the shelf are we going to put this? Mr. Bradford. Whew. Whew. So I, mm, th- this, is, this is difficult for him because I, in my personal view, said near perfect. But the more and more I start thinking, whoa, well, it's hard no, to say, no, right? I mean, I'm just, wow. It is really difficult to say something's perfect, right? Especially yes. in films. Because yeah. there's always something you can nitpick. Yes. Sure. That's, there's, <laughs> there's always something, right? <laughs> but the more and more I think about it, I start thinking, what more could I have wanted? What could I have been done? What could they have changed? It is a long movie, but it didn't feel long to me because they keep you just into it so well with the world building, with the, with everything, mm-hmm. right? The performances keep you in. Well, there's some movies that drag. Here, any parts that are slow have great dialogue to go with it that explain things, that do such a great job. And I start thinking more and more, how, what could, more could I want? From, yeah. there, there's not much more, especially in science fiction, and I love science fiction. That is probably my favorite genre, is, is science fiction. So my expectations going in were... I didn't have high expectations. I just had the expectation of, I want to be entertained. I want to be the, the world to be built more. I want to learn more about the characters and the, and the new characters as well. So it's not like I was hyping myself up. I knew it was going to be good, right? I think most people going into this have the expectation of, well, at least want it to be good. You knew it'd be quality. Yes, yeah, so it'd be yeah, quality. Right, Based right. on the first one, it's not going to take this dive. Right. <laughs> it's going to be awful. Right. Like, what have you done? Like, that's not going to happen with this. So my expectations weren't high. My expectations were, okay, what's going to be next? What's Denny Villeneuve going to do? now with right. this so that being the case it, it, it <laughs> Gover is just, just on pins and needles here i call it a masterpiece gover's called it an epic i'm not sure if anything else this season is going to beat it i i'm I, there's so many films out there and that being the case it being one of my favorite movies already to where i have to see it again i can't go any further without giving it a 10.0 oh! And I hope I explain myself properly and why I'm giving it that score because mm-hmm. I try to think what else could I want from it, right? For me, Holy I smokes. can't see many things beating it. And no one around here gives tens, right? Like we don't just throw no. out tens. We've Have we given, ever given a ten? We've I, given did, ni- I did it once. Yeah, we've it given nine. Yeah, we've given nines. We've given nine point five. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, are yeah, plenty yeah. of those, right? But the more and more I think <laughs> about it, in the grand scheme of things, we, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. as no, a group, we've given them those, that's right? Funny Just like we don't give out many ones. Right. Right. We've done we, one we of do. those. <laughs> oh, man, I'm wet. <laughs> so I have to give it that score because of how much I truly enjoyed the experience and from the performances, too. Like, I, I can't think of a performance that I didn't like. Like, the cast is so well put together. Everything on screen is so well to put together. So why why should I not give it something that I think it's earned based on my experience? So I do have to give it a 10.0. The perfect score. Yeah. I kind of wish you went last now. I really want to hear what Mr. Nitpicky 
Mr. Gover. Who calls it an epic. I got some for you. You did call it epic. So, like, anything below an 8.5, we have have issues. Follow this up. Okay, here we go. So, (laughs) great great (laughs) sci-fi makes you believe it's real. Sure. Right? That's kind of how I define a great sci-fi movie. Star Wars, when you watch it, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, right? You're, You're lost in it so much that you believe within minutes that you're watching something that was actually shot in space. Yeah. Okay? Dune 2 is one of those things where within minutes, I was like, this is not the deserts of the Sahara they're shooting on. This is really on Arrakis, yep. right? That's, that's yep. they've traveled somehow to this place and shot these characters really. As he enjoys things. his corn dog nuggets and plastic cheese. <laughs> that's correct. That's, uh, I love that the audience legit has to ask themselves, is he the one or is he not the one? Is the prophecy made up or is it not made up? I love the fact that that is a real question. The audience has to ask. That's a good point. It's that's not really like, point. thank you. It's right. not like Neo where you're told the whole time right. he's the one, and then they put these little seeds mm. throughout that it's like, is he the one? I don't know. What does it mean if he doesn't clear the building? Nothing. Everyone clears it. It's not, <laughs> but honestly, it's, everyone knows he's yes, the one. correct. Yeah, right. right. This yeah. one, I actually found myself wondering throughout the second one, maybe not the first one, but definitely the second one, well, wait a minute. Is the prophecy made up by the, like, is it? Not re- no, he is the one because he's doing this thing. It's oh, a wait a fulfilling prophecy, right? But yeah. Javier Bardem's right. character is like, oh. as written, like it becomes it becomes funny. But you're like, well, that's what a religious zealot would do. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's not thinking clearly. So maybe question. he's not the one. So I love right. the fact that's a legit question on the audience. Yeah. Rebecca Ferguson as his mom, she also you know is not quite sure if he's the one, but she's going to use it. To her advantage. To her advantage yes. and also to keep him alive. And to keep herself alive. And to keep herself alive <laughs> and give herself more power, which also seems like it's kind of, that's growing. Uh, you didn't seem power hungry before, but you're right. All those questions are not answered. And the audience literally wrestles with, is it real or is it not? Is he the one or is he not the one? Mm-hmm. Is this all fake or is it real? Right? I think that's really cool. It's a really cool thing philosophical debate that the audience has to have. Uh, There are two great movies in the theater right now. Bob Marley, One Love, and Dune 2, and it is March. I would like to thank the production companies for giving us a non-typical movie season. Sure. Because usually this is the dumping ground for garbage or stuff that like, like Ant-Man Quantumania, which wasn't garbage, but it's like, it's just entertainment for maybe, it's entertaining for that demographic, but it's not a summer blockbuster and it doesn't belong at the end of the year. I think you're thanking the wrong people though. (laughs) Well, no, I think you should be thanking studios for being assholes, forcing actors to go on strike. No, no, but (laughs) not necessarily because they could have left Madam Web in February and they could have said, Bob Marley, that's going to be a big hit for Kinsley Benadare, so let's put that at the end of the year. Let's make that in November. Dune 2, huge summer. Tell me this isn't a summer blockbuster, dude. Will you release this at the end of May? Holy crap. This is going to be a, what, a November movie? It's going to be the Christmas movie season. Right, but I'm saying they could have said, it's done. Let's put it in May where it it belongs. They didn't do that. They said, you know what? Let's give the people a treat. We have a big march. We do have a pretty big march yes, coming do. up. It yes, closes off with Godzilla Kong. Right. right. So, Ghostbusters is like uh, Frozen. And Empire. Ghostbusters, yes. So, okay. So, but anyways. Right. That was all the good stuff, right? So, there, for the nitpicky stuff was there was dialogue issues at times where I had a hard time hearing. I'm in the okay. IMAX. I should hear pretty freaking clear. Yeah. There, I was at a hard time. What did she just say? And what was that line? And like, there was enough there that I was like, something's wrong. They could have done better, especially with the scale of this movie, right? You're like, 
Everything else is great. Why isn't that great? Uh, the story is worthless without seeing the first one. That's not necessarily a knock on the movie. I mean, but I'm saying if my son came in to just see this one, he'd be completely lost. Sure. And I think the best sequel movies can, to a degree, stand on their own. To a degree. Hmm. And there wasn't enough educating of the audience enough on the first movie in this one to bridge the gap. I would have felt offended if they had to re-educate me. And that's fine. But you're also an elitist. So the first movie (laughs) is better... The You're first, calling me an elitist? The first movie is better than this one. But o- what? Wait, wait. But only by a slight margin. What? Okay. All right, all right. Oh, yeah. I this, said we weren't going to fight. Hold this on. Is, this, <laughs> this, hold, I'm about to catch hands. All of a sudden, this is, yeah. Why do you Why are you the way that you are? The last thing is, it, it did feel too long to me. Not egregiously. Maybe like five minutes. I actually did. Five minutes? I did feel. I felt it. I felt the length. Okay. My final score for Dune is an 8.0. Dune 2. Sorry. 8.0. My final score for Dune 2, 8.0. Thank you for being you. You're because welcome. That was that was such. You, you govered so hard. How in the hell? Uh-huh. How in the hell do you say Dune Part 1 is better and five minutes I enjoyed too my long. five minutes too long. I enjoy. I, that was a generalization. Look, look I, I could just see Gover and Final Cut Pro going. Nope, just gonna smidge here. Just gonna smidge here. And how do you think minutes. I produce this podcast? Five, five minutes. <laughs> I cut all. Try to cut all the fat this off. This isn't of supposed to be a blockbuster in the movie theater. So, <laughs> we'd like oh it to be please subscribe, please. Oh my god! Oh my gosh. god! Uh, that. That 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 was the stunner of this podcast. His Sorry. score doesn't line up with how you in, your initial take was. Epic does not go epic. with eight. Epic doesn't go with eight. That's I why know. I said anything below an eight point no, five. I didn't say the score was epic. <laughs> no, you said epic. You said you said it the movie feels was epic. epic. It's a mass. It's it's a monster piece of cinema. It is so great, but still not better than the first one, which was just I world said slightly. Building. I gave it oh, the first one an eight point as well. Either so if we're if we're if we're one and eight point splitting hairs, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> splitting something on a crucky old way. The first one introduced the story so well and the characters so well. The second one is basically an extension of the first one, and that is where the main issue is. No shit, Sherlock. I understand that. That's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> if you want, it's, okay. We're, okay, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. okay, okay. You okay. can watch Empire Strikes Back standalone, and yes, you don't know the backstory of Luke know. and all that, but you get it. You're like, okay, that was entertaining. I really like that. that Just was like awesome. with this one, you'll eventually get it because there's plenty of context clues when they're saying different things sure. that are going on. Could like you do that with Flash? God, Godfather Two is like also could you do that with Lord of the Rings Two Towers? You say Lord of the Rings Two Towers be watched on its own, and you won't be a little confused. No, a little confused is different than you've missed the story. Okay, so you don't understand okay. the voice in this one. There's no explanation of the voice. You just see it done. Just I'm just picking examples here. Okay, you're nitpicking examples. Of what you are? Well, uh, <laughs> no arguing. I said that. All right. Let's well, get I'm, the gyms. I'm going to jump into my. We can fight off. off I, I've got to. I've got to take you to task and say that this was definitely better than Dune, and Dune was really great. Okay. Okay. Uh, where Dune sets up so much dune part two hits the ground running yes it does and it's terrifying and it's fantastic it's like riding a worm you're just like (laughs) hold on and for that i i just this movie was just the like the first one 
turned up to 11. You know, it was just <laughs> that much more. And I was just hoping that it would be as good as the first one. Like, and if it was good, if, if that was the case, I would have been completely happy that it exceeded my expectations is something that I was truly delighted with and walked out of that theater with the biggest smile on my face saying, wow, you did all the things I thought you could do and you did them even better. I'm giving Dune Part 2 9.0. Wow. What do you mean, wow? I, I, you I, know I, what? We, we didn't even get to the fight sequences and the choreography there, Yeah, which I, was incredible. I tried the jetpacks were awesome to open the movie, by the way. That was really fun. Yes, and that could also have looked terrible. Yes, it could have. I was thinking, oh my gosh, if a lesser movie tried this, this is going to look just god awful. Mm -hmm. I tried to find things to knock this score down, and like Bradford, I couldn't do it. You just kept like dissecting different parts of this movie. Who was was there? Was there acting? Was there dialogue problems? I. I didn't have any of those. I think you're also getting older. I think that's how you didn't hear some of the dialogue. Uh, I, I don't no know. Here. I don't know what what problem I could find with this. It's got to be nine. It can't be any less. And I, you know, I can't give it a ten. But I was I was close. It's difficult to. Is yeah. there anything that you can actually like? verbalize that would have made it better for you. I'm just curious. I'm not obviously not attacking your chamber. Like mine. I would. Yeah. Um, you know, <sighs> or is it just something that you just can't see yourself giving it a 10? Cause it's really difficult to, yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it. Because that's it's fair. It, it's, that's a, fair. it's something I'm not going to give to a movie very often. Okay. Right. So I, that like, <sighs> it, you know, when I saw, <laughs> okay, I, I say the same, I gave Oppenheimer a 10, right? So it, there was, Everything they did, I think they did to perfection. And nothing that they didn't do could take anything away sure. from it being a 10. I think those movies come along so rarely. And so I am cautious about throwing out a 10. Uh, so I'm giving it a 9, but it could have been higher. That's fair. Could have been higher. Guys, I think this might go down. Again, we haven't seen the third one yet. We don't even know when it's going to be released. Messiah. Okay, but I think this could go down as the greatest trilogy of all time. Because wow. Star Wars, you have A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Both are stellar. A New Hope holds up. It's great. Okay, Empire Strikes Back, I still think is the best movie of the One entire One of the greatest song. ever. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Return of the Jedi, eh. Mm. Rewatchable, maybe. I walked away but, a little mad but when, for, I, when I saw that in the theater. But going, for, wow, this is just selling te teddy bears. <laughs> but, I did. But, but I was mad. Me, that's fair. But for me, it's like, okay, that's it's yeah, it's good. So great. Maybe a 6.5 or a 7, which is great. But it's not like, it doesn't meet the standards of the rest. Terminator 1, excellent, but truly an 80s action movie. Terminator 2, awesome. Some bad acting, but still awesome. Yes. Terminator 3, Garbage on a stick. Okay. By the way, Terminator 2 did involve a bad child actor. Also, it did. That's correct. Maybe that's what I was talking about. <laughs> Specialty. That's what I was talking about. Yes. Uh, and, and, of course, Godfather 1, classic. Godfather 2, classic. Godfather 3, horrible. So I think and this one... Oh, what? Lord of the Lord Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yes, thank you. If you want to piss off fans, that's going to be the one that people are going to be saying, ah, mm, mm, like, that's yeah, the yeah, one. Like, that's fair. Me. That's the one. Lord of the Rings. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Lord of the Rings 1, 2, and 3 is fair. So I think, at the end of the day, when this third one comes out, if it holds true, holds serve to the first two, we could be talking about the best trilogy of all time. Especially because it better be Denny Villeneuve. Well, why directing. wouldn't it be? Yeah. I mean, there's always the question. There's always a question if a director wants to continue on or not. Sure. Or 
like God forbid something happens to him and yes, he's not able right. to make movies. Yes, that right. it had it has to go to another person to finish this film, and uh, it may not hold up. But I think you're right. I think if you're going to do anything, you're going to compare this with the Lord of the Rings right. trilogy, and even with that, I might say it's the best of all time. See, comparing it maybe, but uh, I think general movie-going audiences still won't give sci-fi the respect. I think they're still going to choose Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they won't give it what they gave fantasy with Lord of the Rings. Now it could age into being more respected. Mm -hmm. Like it may take five to ten years because now you still have a huge segment of movie audiences that have that love for Lord of the Rings that always reference it, that go back to it, that will watch it over mm-hmm. and over again. And it took time because look at these fanfares and comic cons and everything. Where you have these characters, these actors still reprising their roles in this. And you see it on the, the late show with Stephen Colbert and how he's an expert at it and all these kinds yes. of things like pop culture wise, it goes right in with pop culture, right? Okay. It takes time for some of these opinions to develop for people to have that appreciation because they're different generations too. Yes. Like a new generation has to be continued to be introduced to these films and that it'll take time for this one to grow into that best one ever or the number two or best overall type of thing. So I don't think as soon as Messiah comes out, if it does, we're going to have that. It's going to take time for it to be decided by pop culture if it's going to be there. Unless it's the best of the three. In which case, it will immediately enter the conversation. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. I I would venture to say if it's just as good as Dune Part Two, I think it's in that conversation. Uh, it, it it would deserve to be in the argument. Okay, we always love what you have to say. So before we even get into the big question. Please comment with what you think is the correct answer for this episode's big question. And that question is, what film that you've seen in large format just doesn't compare to seeing it with streaming or in a regular theater or something like that? What film did you just have to see in large format to make it make the difference? It, it just made the movie make the movie experience for you that much better. All right. This is where you point to somebody here on the set. Jim. <laughs> We're both pointing at Jim. Jim, go first. Okay. I guess I invited that, didn't I? I, I invited the vampire into the house. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Oh. It was pick as Twilight. Oh, right? Jim. How could you do that? <laughs> yes. Wrong and answer. He, There's no wrong answer, but that's wrong. As that's long as Kristen Stewart's in it. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I can't even believe it. I even said that as a joke. I, I put that into the universe. Uh, I would say, hands down, the movie that has to be seen in the theater and does not translate to a small screen is either of the avatars and especially the second avatar. Okay. Okay. Uh, It just doesn't work. I said it in my review when it came out that like, if you're going to see it, see it in the theater after that, don't bother because it was, that's true. A (laughs) tremendous experience. One where, I mean, there's people, People, it's documented. There's like, I think it's in journals that people had genuine depression walking out of the theater, entering the real world because they were so immersed in this amazing world. And like, I, to me, 
James Cameron's never been noted for dialogue, acting, you know, in his films, uh, truly. I mean, he's gotten lucky a couple of times. <laughs> you put Leo and Kate in a movie, you're going to do all right. Uh, but for the most part... I don't know. He made Tom Arnold look good in True Lies. Uh, that's true. And that's pretty My difficult. Favorite. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. We, we, we almost got through without a True Lies reference. He said James I Cameron, know. I had to take it. I know. <laughs> I know. I couldn't let it go. But especially the 3D experience, too, because yes. those movies were meant to be experienced in 3D because Avatar, the first one, set a whole new standard in 3D, and no movies really matched it. They try to. They make movies yeah. in the 3D, but Avatar immerses you into the world, and that's what 3D is supposed to do. It's one of a kind. You have to do it in the theater. Yeah. It's, it's the only... <clears throat> uh, I, it still sets itself apart. And, you know, the original Avatar is, what, 15, 10 years old? I, I, it's, it, it's old. It's old. Yeah, it's, it's, it's back there. And, yeah, you, you still, I, I wouldn't, I don't watch that on streaming. There's it's, no, not, it's not rewatchable on that. There's no, there's no use. No. So that is my answer. It's a great choice, Jim. Thank you. Mr. Gover. Oh, you'd like to go with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will say something that I rewatched on a big screen that wasn't, I don't believe, shot for the big screen. But I loved it so much mm-hmm. at the time, and that is The Matrix. Hmm. Ah. When they re-released the 10th, 10th anniversary re-release on the IMAX screen, it was a feast for the eyes, even though the other two movies were terrible and brought the whole franchise down. You kind of forgot all that. It went away, and you were watching this incredible sci-fi pioneering movie, which is what it was. And so, um, Is that the anniversary when we went to go see together? Yes. Okay, yeah, was. that was great. Okay, the, was the it the film's anniversary, or was it you two just being best friends' anniversary? It was the film's anniversary. Oh, okay. Why not both? Our anniversary is coming both. up, and we're going on a cruise together. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matrix is my answer. We're going to renew our, our friendship. <laughs> friendship vows. <laughs> All right. I promise to fight about movies until death do us part. I promise to call out Gopher for his bad takes until death do us part. Amen. Is that even what you do? I don't even know. Amen. Right. I don't know. All right. So. <laughs> All right. So my choice is something that I thankfully got to experience in IMAX. Shot for it to where certain scenes would expand to show the, the, the screen more for IMAX. The sound, the story was, was epic. And just as a science fiction person as well, just... Seen on TV, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. It is one of my favorite movies, I'll say, just because I love the, 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 the notion behind it, the story behind it. But witnessing this in IMAX was absolutely was an absolutely incredible experience for a film. And that film is Interstellar. Because there sure. are multiple sequences where Christopher Nolan expands the screen. Like you see it in, in a regular for, regular IMAX format, and then all of a sudden right. adds a few feet. <laughs> on the top and the bottom. On the top and the bottom, just especially those wide-out scenes where they're showing the space mm. station or they're showing certain things in motion, and all, you're just you're trying to look at every corner of the screen to see what you could be missing. That, for me, you, you one, you just literally could not experience that in a regular theater because that didn't happen. The expansion didn't happen. You still see just the letterbox right. version on a regular screen or at home. Only in large format could you see everything that the director wanted you to see. Plus, you add to that just the, the traveling through the wormhole. The, the sound editing in Interstellar is incredible. Just from when there's lots of sound to when there's just silence when he's in the fourth dimension, right? Incredible silence. 
It's like when you're at a Dolby theater and it says, yes, the screen's still, the projector's still on. It's right. like, here's black and here's you can't real tell. black. Yeah. <laughs> it's that silence of, oh, wow, there's literally no other sound except for dialogue happening. And you experience that in just such a, a different manner through IMAX and through a large format when you have a very a pin drop, like the Sprint commercials, right? So you could hear a pin drop. Those, what a reference, right? <laughs> right. That yeah, type we'll of thing. years for that one. <laughs> Can you hear me now? That type of experience for In the me. past. And then you hear the cornfield chase, just a piano oh, in large format. Oh, just that, that, that score is an incredible score. Now I have terrible so. FOMO because <laughs> I did not see Interstellar oh, in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater either. And it is still one of my favorite movies. So, see? It, and... I mean, I, my wife laughs at me because I don't think she's watched that movie from start to finish, but it's one of those movies, like she walks in while I'm watching, she's one of those kinds of movie watchers occasionally, and, and can walk out and then just say, oh, what's happening now? I, To me, if I sit down for Interstellar, mm-hmm. I watch it all the way through, and she laughs at me because I'm emotionally wrecked when that movie is over, and she's like, Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. I am proud to be emotionally wrecked. So if a movie can be that powerful on the small screen right. in my house, ugh, I'm jealous. And that's why if there are films that come out and it says specially made for a large format, for IMAX, for Dolby, go and experience it. If you have any, any inclination of wanting to see the film in general... And it says, oh, we have a special format for IMAX or Dolby or whatever. Go to it. Yeah. Dune. Go see it in large format. Yeah. If, if it says that you have to experience it the way the director wanted you to experience it, right? That's why it was so awesome to see Oppenheimer in film. Like, true film. Yes. True, true film. Not digital, but film. Because that's the way Christopher Nolan wanted us to actually experience it when it was available, right? Dune. It's meant to be experienced. Part two, especially, meant to be experienced in large format. Give the movie its due by seeing it in the format the director and everyone wants you to experience it in. I know it's expensive. And this is the first thing that people say to me. Right. Like I say, hey, go see it in IMAX. Well, that's pretty expensive. There's not, not every movie should be seen in IMAX. We reserve it for special times. We'll tell you when it's a special time. This is a special time. It's an experience. Yes. And that's what you're paying for is an experience. Not just a movie. You're paying for an experience. Madam Webb, don't bother. <laughs> just saying. We'll, just, we'll be here to tell you. Don't. <laughs> Don't watch it in your Don't watch this. Don't watch it. But definitely don't go see it on a big screen. Not on your 2006 iPod Mini. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.